Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, we'll talk about European airline failures and hand over to our US lead Lucas in the field, who was at the final Boeing 747 delivery. Joe will talk about the end of the line for a slightly smaller plane with one airline, while I look at how you can fly in a lie flat British Airways seat without leaving European skies this spring. Finally, I'll explore the impact of the miserable weather being seen in New Zealand. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And Joe, take it away. So, uh, yeah, it happened. <laughs> I think a lot of people maybe predicted it. Um, but finally, the new resurrected Flybe announced that it had entered administration and would cease operations on January 27th. This was less than a year since it commenced services, and it was only days since it announced all its summer schedule. Um, and apparently, as per most airline failures, it was taking payments and bookings right up till the last minute. I heard some awful stories on the radio but that's beside the point. Um, so unless you maybe don't remember Flybe the first time around, it was one of the first few airlines to go out of business when the pandemic first emerged. But it wasn't really the pandemic. It had problems well before that. Um, the new Flybe was was bought by a company. I won't go into the name and all that because it's all very convoluted. But they commenced flight services in April last year. The intention was to serve 16 airports in the UK, France and the Netherlands across the summer season. According to Syrian, Flybe was going to be operating flights to 17 destinations with Belfast City and London Heathrow, the largest operations. Um, that was just in the next couple of weeks. Uh, most days it operated seven daily flights from Heathrow, connecting to Amsterdam, Belfast, Newcastle and Newquay. And in total, over the course of just the next week, it, there was 292 flights scheduled to operate. So that was more than 22,700 seats. That's a lot of people who are now finding that their flight is not taking off. Um, so the airline collapsed overnight. People rocked up at the airport. There was nowhere for them to go. They couldn't get home or to their destination. As is the, usually the case, a number of airlines stepped in to offer what is known as rescue fares to get people home from wherever they've been stranded or potentially to their destination if they were going away. Um, British Airways launched rescue fares of £50 or €60 Euros one way, but there were taxes, fees and charges to pay on top of that, although you do get a check bag, which is good. Um, Ryanair launched rescue fares at a flat rate of 29.99 British pounds to get people home and EasyJet also confirmed that it would offer a dedicated rescue fare up until February the 5th and that is 49 pounds for domestic UK routes and 79 pounds for international services Naturally, lots of these airlines have also been keen to snap up the displaced crew. Um, most of them pointed to the career sections on their websites, although Wizz Air has gone a step further and is planning a recruitment event specifically for Flybee staff. Um, so hopefully the people that unfortunately have lost their jobs will find other places to um, 
take up aviation in the future, fingers crossed. Uh, but what went wrong with the airline? Well, the administrator that's running the kind of liquidation of the airline, um, David Pike, stated that it all goes back to its first days in April 2022. The most significant setback for the regional carrier was the impact COVID-19 had on the supply chain, which dramatically impacted the delivery of new aircraft. Indeed, Flybe did suffer a delay in the delivery of 17 aircraft, um, which it needed to operate its full summer schedule. So it started operations with eight DHC Q400s um, with 90 seats on each. The lack of capacity due to aircraft shortage first came about in um, July last year when Flybe had to reduce the frequencies on some of its summer routes. Notably, it suspended three routes from its base at George Best Belfast City, um, suspending links to Aberdeen, Inverness and Newcastle. Um, and it, it, it's being blamed on aircraft shortages, um, but also competition has got to be considered. You know, they, they can lay the blame on the supply chain and COVID, but there's only so many times you can wheel out that old excuse. Um, because when Flybe entered most of its previous routes, especially the domestic ones, had already been filled up with other airlines. So airlines like Loganair, airlines like Eastern, um, EasyJet, you know, had all stepped in to fill the gaps the original Flybe left. So when the new one arrived, it was competing very heavily with these other carriers that had already been providing service. Um, in fact, according to the UK CAA, Flybe had very low load factors, never higher than 55%. I mean, how can you run an airline when all your planes are always half full? Um, anyway, that seems to be the end of the Flybe story, but it's not the only bankruptcy we've seen this week, is it, Tom? No, it's not. And um, another airline that also uh, was suffering from poor load factors and has now gone um, bankrupt since um, the start of the week is FLIA in um, Norway. And I, I did have a little joke with uh, Laura because um, we were when we were booking flights a year ago, we could have picked FLIA or Norwegian and the timing was better on Norwegian, but I wanted to go with FLIA. So I was <laughs> saying to her, it's your fault that uh, FLIA has collapsed. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> what went wrong with FLIR? Well, basically, it's a, it's a fairly kind of similar story, you know, low load factors and winter uh, for these uh, northern airlines isn't great, uh, isn't a, a sort of really busy time. Um, but sort of the first warning flags were raised on Monday. Um, the airline said that it hadn't managed to raise um, more money. And as a result, it ended up cancelling all of its flights on Tuesday. Um, and then Tuesday evening, it's funny because I sat at the computer all day sort of expecting this. And the second I left the house um, and went outside, the news broke that FLIR had also, um, it hadn't filed for bankruptcy yet, but it was saying that it would on Wednesday morning. Um, they posted a note on their website saying, thank you so much to everyone who's chosen to fly with us over the last year and a half for welcoming us so well and for all the cheers. We will miss you all and offer our deepest apologies to everyone affected by the fact that we now have to go in for one final landing. Oh. We encourage anyone who's booked a ticket with us to contact their credit card company for a refund. Um, the bankruptcy trustee will take up over all responsibility for FLIR and will share contact information as soon as it becomes available. Oh, um, so that times. was yeah, that was the story with Fleer. It was a sad one, but it's a, a sort of similar story. You know, looking at it, they um, I think they got too big too fast. You know, they um, they had a fleet of twelve aircraft, and that included six Maxes, which were brand new. So they're mm. not going to be cheap to lease. You know, if you're mm. starting up an airline, you really want some sort of you know maybe Ryanair's old. 787-737-800s uh, or something 
Um, or like play with its A321s yeah. that were used and yeah. on very good leasing terms thanks to the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. And um, the, I think the other thing with FLIR was um, they had managed to secure a uh, wet lease this summer for six aircraft, um, which would have probably got them through. But there was a clause in the wet lease agreement that it wouldn't be signed until Flybe, um, FLIR managed to get more funding. And uh, the sort of converse problem with that was that the funding um, said that they wouldn't give it until uh, FLIR had managed to sign this contract. So it was a bit of a, <laughs> uh, you know, no one wins. Um, but okay. Yeah, it's a shame for um, European Airlines starting with F this week. Um, but now I did want to hand over to Lucas over in the field to tell us a bit more about something else um, that came as an end of an era this week. So take it away, Lucas. Thanks for having me on the podcast again, Tom and Joe. It's a cold day here in Seattle. We just got back from Payne Field where the final 747 uh, now flying for Atlas Air took off. But let's backtrack really quickly to yesterday's event. Yesterday, Boeing invited a number of media personnel from all over the world, local news, international news, and Simple Flying was invited to be there. So I flew up here to Washington for the event and we went to their site up in Everett for the delivery of the final 747, the 1,574th aircraft made registered as November 863 Golf Tango. Uh, it's a 747-8 and it was delivered to Atlas Air, which will be flying the aircraft for a, I'm probably going to butcher this pronunciation, but a Kunanago uh, company called Apex Logistics. Uh, over 9,000 people were in attendance yesterday. They opened up one of their hangars. They didn't specify which one it was. Boeing personnel from current personnel to retired personnel were in attendance. Joe Sutter, the fa the founding father of the 747, his grandson was in attendance. Uh, previous Boeing CEOs, the CEO of Atlas Air, Lufthansa CEO, Japan Airlines executives, UPS executives. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And one of the surprises was John Travolta popped out on stage to speak a little bit about the 747. So in all, it was a wonderful event in which the, uh, the American manufacturer, Boeing, highlighted the history and the significance of this wonderful aircraft, the first uh, passenger quad jet in history and has been manufactured for over 50 years now. Uh, they started the event with uh, Color Guard walking in with flags of every carrier that has flown the 747. It was a beautiful sight and the flags lined the back of the stage on both sides. Just numerous carriers. I believe, uh, I may say this mistakenly right now, but I believe more than 56, 56 or so airlines flew the 747 uh, over its more than 50-year history. So it was a monumental aircraft. We were given the opportunity to photograph the aircraft on arrival, take videos and get up close and personal with it the final queen of the skies. Uh, there were video presentations of just the history of the aircraft and the, the evolution over the decades. So it was a beautiful event. And then this morning we had a nice and early wake-up call. The aircraft was originally supposed to depart from Painfield at 12 p.m. noon today. 
And yesterday they decided to change the departure time to 8 a.m. So we had to be at the bus at 6.30 to make it up to Payne Field to the Museum of Flight where we watched the departure from the observation deck. And then this morning we got a message that said that the hope was to depart at 7.47 a.m., which didn't end up happening. But it was a beautiful sight to see the takeoff. Numerous spotters lined the fence by the parking lot of the museum. Uh, multiple of us media personnel were upstairs watching the departure. It was after pushback, the aircraft was towed and then stopped at a point where it was greeted with a massive water cannon salute, which was just a stunning sight. And then it departed. Shortly after departure, it came back around for a very, very low flyover with landing gear down. Uh, gave us a little, a slight wave with the wings before it climbed off and headed over to Cincinnati. And one of the beautiful things about today's flight is you can be tracking it on flight radar right now as we speak. Uh, obviously, this podcast is pre-recorded, but anyway, uh, they are they started the flight path by forming the crown and forming a crown, and then they are drawing out the numbers 747 here over the state of Washington. Last I checked, it was flying around at about 12,000 feet, and it is currently the number one most tracked aircraft on flight radar. So anyway, Joe and Tom, that's it from me. Thanks for having me back on here. It was monumental, uh, a monumental moment to, to witness yesterday. Thanks so much, Lucas. That sounded awesome. I am so jealous. I really wish that I'd been able to make the pilgrimage to Everett myself to see all that. But, uh, you know, I'll have to live vicariously through your photographs. Um, but it's not the only, um, only the 747 that has come to an end this week because there's been a change at Alaska Airlines as well. Um, the airline has closed the door on a significant part of its history because the Dash 8, which was operated by its subsidiary Horizon, is no more. Um, it is now only flying the Embraer E-175 at Horizon Air. Um, of course, this is a natural progression for an airline that's looking to rationalise its fleet because flying two smaller fleets of aircraft isn't sustainable or cost effective. You need two of everything, parts, tools, training programmes, pilots had to be certified on both. Um, and it, apparently it affected cabin crew as well. Um, Jeanette Waddle was speaking to Simple Flying's reporter at the last Q400 flight. Um, she's the Horizon as an air director of standards. And she said that because the Q400 is so close to the ground, you don't need any emergency slides, whereas the E175 does have slides. So flight attendants had to get separate certifications on each aircraft, just like the pilots. Of course, this adds to cost and complexity. So... Um, the E-175 does come with some benefits. It's efficient, it's quieter than the turboprop, and it flies a bit faster, so you can get where you're going a bit quicker. And um, it's got slides. And it's got slides. <laughs> but it is a sad end of the era for Horizon Air because it began its life flying the Dash 8. Um, it had the Series 200 back in 1981. Um, it then took on the 300 and finally the 76-passenger 400. Um, and apparently across the whole fleet, these aircraft flew an estimated 250 million miles and 50 
million passengers. I think that's probably more. No, that's probably right. 50 million passengers during service. Um, So it's a 21 year history, which came to an end with the last revenue flight taking off this week or last week now, I think. Mm. Um, There was a nice send off at the gate. Uh, Both Horizon Air President Joe Sprague and longtime Czech pilot Perry Solomson were there. They spoke and gave interviews. Um, That final flight took off from Spokane and went to Seattle, Tacoma. Um, Of course, the plane was packed out with Avgeeks along with a few regular passengers who probably wondered what all the fuss was about. I love Um, those flights. (laughs) They always look so confused, the people who just want to get where they're going. They're like, Mm. what is going on? Um, So landing at SeaTac, there were, of course, more photos and chats. And then the Q400 pushed back and departed one last time to Portland, where they were having an employee-only retirement ceremony the next day. Um, So it's all changed at Alaska because it also retired its last Airbus A320 earlier this month. Um, These were aircraft inherited from Virgin America, and it operated its last revenue-generating A320 services on January the 9th. So now, Alaska Airlines and its subsidiary Horizon is all jet, just 737s and E175s, all set up for the future. Wow. Well, it's um, suddenly a simpler, more simpler um, fleet. And I guess, you know, that's why Ryanair goes for only the 737. Mm. So it's hopefully works out well for Alaska too. Um, I, this week, was actually going to take a break from talking about A380s. So um, maybe I should go and see a doctor. Um, <laughs> we'll see. But I have a story bubbling already to tell you all next week. So uh, watch out for that. Um, but I didn't want to go too far from my lane. So I'm going to talk a bit about British Airways and Frankfurt um, <laughs> this week. Um, but what I really wanted to talk about was that British Airways is going to fly its Boeing wide bodies to Frankfurt on several rotations over the coming months, um, which is quite interesting because it's, you know, it's an A320 route and you don't get more than an A320 passenger load on the flight. Um, So what's happening? Well, according to the latest schedule information from Sirium, British Airways is planning 31 short-haul wide-body flights to destinations typically served by the A320 family between February and April. Uh, So 27 of the rotations are bound for the wonderful Frankfurt Airport across the three months, and Berlin and Dublin are also going to see two wide-body rotations each in March. Uh, Berlin and Dublin are only getting the 777, but Frankfurt is getting the 787-9 and the 777. Um, All of the dates that this is happening are on our website. I'm not going to read them out because it will be tedious. Um, But, you know, if you are looking to fly on the wide body, you can confirm it's scheduled for the flight by checking the seating plan or flight details. So, for example, if you're looking at the BA booking engine, it might say um, the flight is operated by a 777 or you'll see... Uh, the fancy business class, which has more than, uh, or hopefully four seats, but if not, um, more six or eight even, I think, in the <laughs> across. Um, but a word of warning, you know, anyone who is hoping to fly on these wide bodies should be aware that scheduled changes may be possible and, you know, they may be disappointed. And because these are planned as cargo flights, um, sort of adding a, a little bit additional um, capacity for IAG cargo, they could be more likely to be cancelled or downsized mm. if the cargo doesn't show up for whatever reason. Um, But, you know, let's talk about the A380. (laughs) It's not the only time that um, 
British Airways has added um, flights to um, Frankfurt for cargo. You know, last summer, the A380 was flying between London Heathrow and Frankfurt quite a bit, but it wasn't going to the passenger terminal when it was landing in Frankfurt. It was going to the cargo terminal. So um, Mm. quite an exciting one there. But yeah, hopefully some people who maybe wouldn't normally get to experience a a wide body or a life flat business class might be able to um, just have this one-off treat. (laughs) Although I don't expect they'll get much sleep between Frankfurt and London, but uh, it's still (laughs) nice to put your feet up, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I'd imagine so. (laughs) So I wanted just to round off by talking a little bit about what's going on in New Zealand, because they've been experiencing some awfully dramatic weather down there. Um, There's a severe storm battering Auckland in particular, which has filled the city streets with water. In some places, it was waist high um, and they had to evacuate some of the houses. In fact, the mayor of Auckland declared a state of emergency. Um, Of course, the airport was no exception. And in fact, there were several inches of flood water throughout the terminal. Um, They had to order the airport to be evacuated. Naturally, they had to close it as well. So there were no flights in or out of Auckland on January the 27th. Um, Although planes could have landed, they decided it wasn't very safe. There were reports that over an inch of water had built up on the runway. Um, So inbound flights were either cancelled or diverted. In fact, one of the last planes to land at Auckland was an Air New Zealand flight NZ124, which was a Boeing 777. Um, It did land safely, but then it drifted off to the side of the runway, damaging several runway lights. Um, That is under investigation now. But for some passengers, this resulted in the most infuriating type of flight there is, and that's a flight to nowhere. Um, So on Friday, the longest one we spotted was Emirates flight EK. K448 between Dubai and Auckland. They were about six hours, um, maybe six and a half hours into the journey, um, flying over the Indian Ocean when they got the news that Auckland was closed and they turned back to Dubai. So the passengers were on that plane for 13 hours and ended up exactly where they started. How frustrating. Um, They weren't the only one. American Airlines was operating AA35 between Dallas-Fort Worth and Auckland. Um, Nearly five hours into the flight, the aircraft was over the Pacific Ocean when it did a U-turn and returned to Dallas. So those poor passengers spent about 10 hours in the aircraft, only to disembark back in the United States. Um, I can't imagine anything more (laughs) annoying uh, when you're excited to go somewhere new. Um, But uh, by Saturday, service had resumed. Domestic came back first. And then the first international flight was a Jetstar service that departed Auckland safely on Saturday morning at just after seven o'clock in the morning. Of course, the flood significantly impacted terminal infrastructure and the airport teams, bless them, had to work for hours. Um, They even had teams of volunteers working throughout the night to ensure everything was dry, had been tested and it was all functioning correctly before the international services could restart. Of course, although things restarted on Saturday, there's been a massive disruption to flight schedules. So I think it's going to take probably several more days to rebook passengers and get everything back to normal. Fingers crossed that there's no more rain in Auckland this week. Yeah, exactly. Um, Hopefully there's no more rain in Auckland. And um, I just wanted to wrap up the podcast quickly by talking about some breaking news that we don't have time to really talk about this week, but we will cover in more uh, more detail next week. And that is that Airbus and Qatar Airways seem to have finally settled their um, A350 drama. And that's just happened (laughs) while we're recording this. So This is new um, news to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's just happened in the last sort of two minutes. So um, we'll talk about this a lot more next week. But... um, yeah. Who won, Tom? Um, I, I don't know if that. I think they're both 
both happy, but uh, I've okay. just seen that it's settled. I haven't Excellent. seen who's won, so we'll see. The saga um, the, has come to a close. We'll let you know exactly what happened next week. Yeah, <laughs> once we've figured it out. <laughs> Enjoying the breaking news announcement there, Tom. That was excellent. But, yeah, so. that's, I think that's the first time we've done that on the podcast in like 150-odd episodes. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, hot off the press, guys. You can't do better than that. <laughs> but I do think that's all we've got time for on today's podcast. We do hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.